today, September 29th, 2023. In this episode, I'm joined by Brad Spearson from GrownIn.com. Brad Spearson has been on the show more than a few times. I think he said this is his fourth appearance on the show, and uh, I trust his math on that. Hey, I just wanted to say that we had a few technical difficulties at the beginning of the show. I tried to edit out most of them. We were just disconnected. Brad ended up reconnecting on a different device, and from there on, for most of the show, it's uh, smooth sailing. It's a great conversation. In this episode, we talk about our our experiences at Benzinga. I'm going to send you into this conversation, but there's just one thing that I talked about in this episode that I wanted to clarify. I don't want folks to misunderstand what I say. I, I do stand by my say, but I stand by what I say, but I wanted to add some nuance to what I say because I don't feel that I fully explained myself. So in this episode, we talk about license limitations. And to put it shortly, I make a point that I don't really, I think I say something to the fact of I don't really care about license limitations anymore. And the fact that like, you know, whatever you guys do, you pick the number or whatever. I, my contention is the enforcement of that system. And as I understand it, We've talked to several legal professionals that have suggested that the primary enforcement mechanism for our cannabis system, our cannabis marketplace, is the criminal law. And we'll get into that in this episode. Look, if you ask me, here's what I wanted to address. I I would say open licensing, and I've gone into that in many different episodes. And if you want a really good perspective on why I think we should go with open licensing, I recommend you check out my episode with Steve Marks from Oregon. Oregon is often viewed as uh, the horror story. People will point to Oregon as a reason why we don't do open license approaches. And he was the as I understand it, and I'm totally going off the top of my head right now, the the main regulator, for lack of better words, over that system. So I asked him how he, you know, what he thought of that. And he doesn't view it as a problem like many people in Illinois seem to. Episode 225 features Steve Marks. He was the executive director of Oregon's Liquor and Cannabis Commission. And so Again, if you were to ask my opinion, I would say open licensing is the way to go. But at this point, I'm throwing up my hands on that battle because, look, I have no aspirations to get a license. It's not that I don't care so much. I definitely think it would make things better for the consumer if we had more people that were allowed to participate and show off their skills. I think from a consumer's perspective, open markets are better, you know, having more licensees, that's a better thing. It breeds competition. It's it's the American way. Um, but, but frankly, I just don't, I don't really care that much to put myself out there on a, on an opinion versus open licensing versus limited licensing anymore. My sticking point is the enforcement mechanism. If the answer or the way that you enforce these systems is the war on drugs, you can't say that you ended the war on drugs. In other words, these policies using the police to bust people for home grow or for sales, those are policies that existed during the war on drugs. So we can't we cannot claim to be addressing the war on drugs completely if we're still using tactics from the war on drugs. And as I 
the point I make in this episode is that maybe we should instead deal with these infractions like business infractions, like operating without a liquor license. You don't go to jail, as I understand it. You get fined, right? So I think that's key. Without further ado, enjoy my episode with my very good friend, Brad Spearson from Gronin.com. Folks, go to Gronin.com and in the top right-hand corner, click get our free email newsletter. It's the best way to get involved in the cannabis industry. Enjoy the episode. You know, Brad, I always say I'm an occasional smoker. I just have a lot of occasions. Yes. You know, like this, this morning when I woke up, that was an occasion. <laughs> Getting on the podcast with you. Never at dusk. Ne- ne- never at dusk. Yeah. No, never at Although dusk. Although it is dusk. <laughs> well, maybe sometimes. Yeah. You know, fun fact here. Uh, you, what keeps me supported on my chair here? Yes. Oh, wow. It's blocking it out, but you you know what that is. I mean, it's the grown-in green screen. Yeah. You, uh, it's the grown-in pillow for people that are listening. I have a pillow. Uh, We try to provide comfort during times of turmoil in an ascending (laughs) industry that's still federally illegal. We can't necessarily provide capital, but we can provide a cushion. Yeah. And and you did. That you did. (laughs) Thank you. So, Brad, you're from GrownIn.com. Uh, for yes. folks that don't remember you, do you mind reintroducing yourself to our audience? Uh, name is Brad Spearson. I'm thrilled to be on for the fourth time, the Illinois podcast. Um, journalist, entrepreneur, uh, GrownIn, many of you know, um, through our newsletters, education, events, has a mission. You're going to love this. Mission of GrownIn is to create and uh, cultivate commercial connections among cannabis industry professionals with complementary interests for the purpose of fostering economic development, access, and opportunity for all stakeholders in the ascending industry. Hell yeah. You connect people. Our core values are curiosity, authenticity, determination, and flair. Flair. As the light it's here's lit. some flair. I was going to say, you got some flair. flair. Yeah, I'm meeting some of that. Flair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. I was going to do blurbs for like the Chillinoid podcast. Yeah. And, and you made the cut for one of them. You want to know Sweet. what you had said about the that I loved? I, I want to be a blurb. You said uh, an ambitiously informal hour. And that was like, that's exactly what I'm going for. Yeah, man. I love it. Like, seriously, I want it to feel like you're a fly on the wall. You're just hanging out with us. And uh, I hope that that transcends uh, to the to our listeners. So and I look like Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) I don't I I I wouldn't have said that. I think you look like a, you know, just like a really smart dude. Well, you smoking anything today, Brad? Smoking anything later? We don't have to smoke sure, at the top later. of the show. Sure. Um, now, I just had a nice cup of coffee. There may or may not have been a few drops of something that some guy gave me uh, at the Marriott the other day. Yeah. 
there were a lot of guys trying to give stuff. It was there was a lot of stuff floating around. It was nice. Um, it was an we, institutional drug deal. Yeah, for folks that don't know what we're talking about, where where did we just go, and what are we going to be talking about today? We were at the Marriott off the Magnificent Mile in Chicago uh, for a cannabis conference. Uh, the organization is called Benzinga. And Cole and I saw each other. Um, you know, you you were set up with the camera, and I look forward to seeing all the footage. And thanks for sharing it already. And uh, you know, I was we're in the media. You know, we're media, so we're in that row, and we hung out. And uh, here we are today talking about it. One day later, I guess. Yeah. And um, yeah. So Governor Pritzker, we saw we saw Charlie Bachtel from Cresco, and. We saw that whole panel on, um, you know, it was the tip of the iceberg of rolling joints, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's really important the tip, you know, putting the tip in your mouth. Can't, but... can't emphasize it enough, as we heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought it was interesting. I'll be posting that panel for folks wondering what the hell we're talking about. There was a panel on pre rolls, and they really talked about the tips, the tip, the tip of the pre roll, right, and how important the tips were. Brad and I were snickering because we're yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> we are uh, that level of mature, uh, but uh... <laughs> well, I uh, if you recall, the previous time that we saw each other was at the Merchandise Mart on 420, the Cannabis Innovation Lab, and uh, Rhonda at the front desk, who's a celebrity, knows everybody, was wearing a Cornholio T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it was red. Yep. And that's what's funny is if, for folks that didn't get like, that's exactly what I was hearing in my head when they every time they sit, talked about tips, I heard Butthead's voice. Huh. Mm -hmm. He said tip, <laughs> you know, No, I was, I was trying. I, I was already in trouble with the people because <laughs> I wanted to talk to the governor and, and they wouldn't let me. And I, I, I tried to ask who they were. Um, and it was unclear, mm -hmm. but I had, you know, I don't know. You said we had a, we had a moment, uh, of, of, we had a little bromance. I saw uh, it. I'm a big fan. Everyone knows it, you know, yeah. what can you do? Yeah, no, that was super cool. That was super cool to have, like, I'm going to be able to, I can say now I've seen, you know, the governor of Illinois speech. That was a big deal for me, like to be able to see yeah. that. And I got some good pictures, you know? It was really no, cool. Man, it, it's, I mean, it was this, like on on the topic of cannabis. The fact that it was focused yeah. on cannabis—that's what was really cool for me. Like that's, yeah. and and really, he wasn't really talking to a grown-in audience. He wasn't really. Talking, I mean, he was literally, but um, a Illinois audience. There were the 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 cameras from all the local news and all that. Like, and so he was talking. You know, a lot of it, you know, was soft, you know, misinformed or whatever. But I mean, for a politician, I'd give him a pretty good grade. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, uh, I don't disagree with what he said. How about that? I think you might be surprised yeah, to hear the audience. Let's 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 set out what we believe he said. What do you, what do you think he said? Sure. Uh, he, so he took on, I think one of the main points in his speech or, or one of the main things that I really focused on to was the uh, 
he took on some of the criticisms, criticisms. uh, Am I saying that right? I don't know if I'm already that high, Um, which he has done in the past. I'll see you later. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why that sounds weird saying that, but um, he he talked about people who criticize the fact that we've not issued a lot of licenses. Uh, And I thought that, like I say, I don't. I don't disagree with exactly what he said. And I actually have a minute long clip that we can watch with our audience. If you yeah. want to check it out. Cool. Wow. It'll be, it'll cool. Be like Johnny Carson. Yeah, this will be cool. All right, audience, check out the clip. So uh, let me make yes. sure this audio is on and we will share. Uh, we did the right thing and we're still managing through that. And there are people who still complain that we ought to have more and more licenses issued uh, daily and the reality is that by holding back, we've really left a portion of the market still available for social equity license holders so that when they enter the industry, they enter it in a profitable way. I'm proud of that. It would be easy to just allow existing systems rooted in tradition um, to leave people out. It would just be easy to do it the, the old fashioned way. Uh, to come into existence as they always have. It's much, much harder to build something that is making a a difference and and pushing against the grains of the past. But that's what we're doing here in Illinois, and I'm proud of it. So, again, uh, you know, one of the things we've talked about in the past that I finally feel like I can substantiate I've always taken on, as you know, I've, I think people see me as a critic of the limited license system and Mm -hmm. I no longer consider myself so much of a critic of the system itself. Right. But the enforcement mechanism for the system, for the system, that's, I finally feel like I can substantiate that because the system itself, like what he's explaining I now I do understand. He's saying that we want to limit a, a number of licenses so that, as he said in the past, and I can pull this clip up too, because he again, this isn't the first time he's addressed that criticism. As he said in the past, we don't want to see people get edged out of the market, right? We want to see successful businesses. So the approach makes sense to me now. My main critique, and I and I wish we would have had time to you know just ask a simple question for press because that would have been my question yeah, it's like i don't i don't that was not press. that was that was a performance that wasn't press even with the other journalists that were in there asking questions yeah yeah anyway. but but yeah no i mean to your point for folks that don't understand maybe that format maybe wouldn't have been great for a press question but i wish we could have like met him outside you know and did our own press thing like everybody else did no he did he was doing press outside oh he did i missed it Uh, damn like i i uh i think our connections dipping out (laughs) so we had technical difficulties Uh, i want you to restart where you were at i was saying you know it was unfortunate that we didn't get the opportunity to ask questions i also gave him some room in that may not have been the best format for questions. There wasn't a microphone for the press. I mean, we were sitting close, so he could have heard I don't us. Think, but... I don't think questions were ever uh, a part of the, the deal. Um, sure. That's fine. And then the, the one earlier, it was uh, a couple people from Cranes uh, interviewing Charlie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was uh, an area 
where he was taking uh, questions uh, adjacent to the theater uh, with Politico and, and a couple of others. I uh, assumed uh, like you and I as media mm -hmm. would, would be allowed. And apparently there's some uh, distinction uh, between uh, other organizations and um, or maybe there's security, maybe whatever. I don't care. I thought he he was fine. I thought he uh, the governor with even without questions was had a had, had reasonably you know a, a number of things to say, and so uh, he may not have been able to say them through a Q and A. I think um, you know as somebody who's followed his career for a long time twenty twenty five years now, um, you know so I, I I understand him more for the purview of a venture capitalist and somewhat like incremental. Uh, maneuvers at the, at the beginning of a company or in this case uh, a policy and you know when you when you start something early on it doesn't always uh, work right away but uh, if you keep going and, and more, more importantly you learn from mistakes um, you can you can bring something pretty new and novel to the world so um, glass half empty glass half full on what he said you know Half empty is like, listen, dude, yeah, 50 companies are new right now in Illinois, but there's like 250, you know, yeah. out there. And it's been three years and I know this, that and the other thing, but what happened and why? And, you know, there's no business model for a craft girl uh, at 5,000. There's no business model for an independent transporter. Infusers are, um, you know, doing some co-locating and whatever, you know, um, but there are, you know, some um there's a lot of disparity obviously and not enough are opening but so you know what 50 are open and it seems like something new a couple new things a week um and it's going at a faster rate and where we're going to be at the end of the year we're going to be mid-year um uh i think the, the the two most important things to focus on are those who were in the uh, original rounds I don't know what we do, you know, where where it's obvious they incurred uh, a lot of uh, expense either the direction of the government to uh, apply for something that through the government's fault really didn't have much value by the time they could get it. It's not just the government's fault, but the delays did not help. Uh, but you can't only focus a little bit on that. I think more importantly, it's like, okay, well, what do we know now that we didn't know before? And, you know, uh, it's not like New York or Massachusetts, Colorado, or anyone's really figured it out. Um, learn, get better, you know, inform others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was about to pull up some of your questions. Uh, yeah. I was going to see if you wanted to to touch on a few that if if they ring any bells on on things that you know. And if he answered them, yeah. I mean, he answered he answered a bunch of them. Okay. Can you, you go through a few other bases where you feel you were like, oh, okay, you know? Well, I mean, he didn't give a letter grade, but he obviously thinks very highly of his program. Um, you know, he 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 declared victory. So passing with uh, high-flying colors. Yeah. Um, he's not going to talk about running for president. Um, but he is going to talk about, and he has talked about, uh, the government, like this is more from the venture capital uh, portion of those questions. Um, 
like when the government created the internet, you know, the government is, is making uh, legal cannabis possible, uh, but it's not, you know, there's so much ambiguity and complexity because um, it's illegal. <laughs> uh, you have all these restrictions. Um, you have a place like Illinois and Chicago, you know, you got like deep red, deep blue, um, big city, small town, um, you know, enormous wealth, enormous poverty and crime, um, all of the above everywhere. Right. And so that's kind of a messy state to bring a program on, you know, like whatever the critique you wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking on this show right now. There wouldn't be grown in. There wouldn't be a lot of businesses that uh, were not up and running unless there was not just a, a program, but a program that I think, I don't know, 30,000 jobs, four or five big companies, a bunch of other companies, like, you know, um, it could be happening in a place like Illinois where it, it doesn't happen um, in other places. So yeah, I think more time figuring out what, what that outcome looks like and then how to get there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like you say, as you see more businesses open, it starts to feel like, okay, there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Like I attended the uh, grand opening of Parkway Dispensary and Molly's Joint and uh, yeah. in uh, Tilton, Illinois. Yes. And what I thought was cool about the speech that I believe maybe the mayor gave I might be mm -hmm. wrong on that, but we posted the uh, speech and the podcast recently. So if folks want to check it out, it's out there. Um, but he he didn't make any like lame weed jokes like it's it wasn't like it was totally normal. Like it felt just like a normal grand opening. Yes. Another business, you know. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I don't know why that stood out to me so much, but like it just seems like. Well, because he's making a lot more money on that one. It's not like it's another Pittsburgh Paints. Or, you know, um, God, I, I dated myself. That was like an 80s. I was like, what? My mom tortured me. Um, <laughs> no, it's normal. It's good. It's fine. It's it's there. Um, how, how, what do you think of uh, Benzinga overall? I mean, it, it, like, what, like your sense of a, of a conference like that, you know, what, what else did you learn? It was a very interesting experience. Uh, before we get off, of like i just wanted to round out that point and i've, I've got oh, a yeah. few i've got a few short clips we can we can yeah, look oh, at yeah. later but like i say my biggest critique no longer is really like i'm just like do whatever you want with licenses you guys whoops my spirit siri was talking to me um do whatever you want with licenses the government like i tr i concede like i don't know enough about supply and demand i'm not like worried about it what i focus on is like the first few sentences of the CRTA is in the interest of allowing law enforcement to focus on violent and property crime and then dot, 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 because there's a few things in between there. Um, we the General Assembly finds that we are legalizing cannabis. Right. Uh, and like the interpretation I took home from that. And obviously, you know, if I was able to read law beforehand it would have been more apparent to me but the interpretation as a layman i took home was that the criminal law would no longer be used as the answer to the enforcement of any infraction related to cannabis like proportion proportionate to its uh level of harm it may cause to society right 
that and I, and I just thought like simple things like growing at home or possessing a certain amount of cannabis would no longer be anything you would deal with a, a law enforcement officer anymore on potentially. And the fact that that still is very much the case, like just in the last session, I've talked to several attorneys that were just trying to get a law passed uh, that were on the Illinois State Bar Association. They were just trying to get a law passed to make it so that odor is no longer a factor in uh, you know, traffic stops. And it just seems like things like that, that's it seems like we missed the true spirit of legalization. Like I don't, I guess I don't critique so much the licensing system so much anymore, but how it's enforced. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no. Um uh, there's there's I mean philosophically, whether or not this is the best way of of doing something, we don't know. Uh, there's there's a lot of bad bad things about it. What we, you know, what we do know is that we've we're on this path, and if if we're going to be on this path, to your point, it's not necessarily you know that we have to. It's it's how we do it and how we adhere to it. And you know, can we have a functional law that is also respectful of the spirit of the sensimilla? The princess yeah. all here. Is that the pro- acceptable pronunciation? I don't know if it's a L L. You know, sensimilla, sensimilla. Yeah, I've Which heard one? it pronounced both ways. Sensimia. Sensimia sounds cool. It does. (laughs) Um, But if I could put it more eloquently in a very short time, I'm going to just share a clip from an attorney that was on our show in the past that basically said the exact same thing. So, yeah. Whoops. I'm going to restart this with audio. If we're going to say that cannabis is legal, we can't just have a criminal hammer to fall on everyone's head whenever they break those rules. Because right. then it's not legal. Right. Then it's not even decriminalized. And this is the thing. I don't know if we mentioned this on the, if I talked about this on the last podcast, but I think there's a good argument to be made. Uh, you know, the more you think about it, the more obvious it is that we kind of have looked at, or I've, maybe, maybe I'm the only one, but I've always kind of looked at decriminalization as the, kind of skim milk cousin of legalization. I yeah. saw legalization is a more meaningful reform than decriminalization. But if you think about it, it's the opposite. Because we yeah. now have legalization, quote unquote, but right. we do not have decriminalization. Right. If we had decriminalization, there would be an enforcement mechanism other than criminal law. Mm-hmm. There is no enforcement mechanism other than criminal law. And that's not entirely true if you you know, we recently FOIA the state and they do issue citations to like cultivators for infractions or whatever else. And even grown in has issued. Uh, that was why my FOIA, my FOIA was inspired off of uh, Mike Fouché's FOIA. I literally used what I imagined was his same criteria and got some data out of it. So it's not that. But I would say the primary enforcement mechanism that sorry, I'm speaking too quickly, the primary enforcement mechanism is the criminal law. And I just feel like we can't say we legalized cannabis if that is the case. Like people have said it's fully legalized. And I'm just like, no, you can just purchase purchase small amounts. In fact, I think the shortest way to say it is to use the the name of the bill itself. We are regulating and taxing cannabis. We did not decriminalize it. We decriminalized small amounts. I'm still trying to figure out how a middle-aged man's FOIA relates to skim milk. (laughs) Uh, uh, (laughs) i've never heard the skim milk analogy yeah um it's two different classes no that's 
it's a good philosophical point that um, if if you have a basis of decriminalization, then you're going to have a whole outlook uh, for that. I think in uh, a state like Illinois, you know, you you um, I think you necessarily start with expungement, and I think I think you um, there's no reason why we're not pursuing decriminalization at the state level and the national level. We are here. We've got here for a reason. Let's articulate more uh, effectively that point. But, um, you know, when we say we, uh, there are a lot of different components of the cannabis industry. So it's hard to speak to government as, as one voice as much as that would be uh, effective if we could. Yeah. And uh to one more clip and we'll go on to Benzinga because that's more of a, yeah, I would say, a, a fun conversation because I have some fun yeah. stories, uh, very interesting oh, ones. I'm sure you do too. So Dude. Um, I asked an attorney, uh, Bob Galhotra. Uh, he's a pretty Great well name. known, uh, I can't, Cool Meat, S, Cool Meat Bob Galhotra is his full name um, if you want to look him up. He recently gave a speech for the Cannabis Consumer Council, who I met John Chickendance as at a grown in event. Another great name. Um, yeah, really cool name, right? <laughs> I mean, does he do the funky chicken <laughs> while consuming or before or after? I don't know, but he's a cool dude. And he uh, approached me, gave me his card, and ended up uh, connecting me with attorney Galhotra. And one of the questions I asked him was, why are we not pursuing? complete decriminalization and his answer was well that's he's pretty blunt about it he's like cole that's very much against the profit motive of these companies and if the goal is to guarantee them a certain amount of market share by not maybe enforcing it that way what else are we going to do and i i don't know i, I thought that was pretty bit, stark. I think a little bit more broadly i think um yeah. no no i hear that i don't know whose goal who said the goal was to give anyone more market share it's their goal to get as much market share as possible. And I'm, you know, friends with a lot of people, a lot of those companies doesn't mean that their goal is, is the only goal. You know, how do you, how do you bridge that goal with decriminalization? So long-term, you know, um, there'll be more people in a position that can buy more of their product. Yeah. Yeah. It just, to me, it's weird. It seems like decriminalization is because, because again, the, the idea of social equity and the idea of, our how we structure our market is to guarantee people a certain number of market share, right? Like actually J.R. Fleming described it to me that way. He was like, Cole, you're right. We are limiting licenses for a purpose. It's so that we can be guaranteed that same market share that, you know, like the original operators had a guarantee on. And like that made sense to me. I was like, okay, that makes sense. But I asked him still like, why, why not full decrim? And he, he, I don't mean to single him out because several others have been on the show and have mm -hmm. said the same thing. They view those initiatives as kind of competition to their market share. Home grow, for example, uh, Scott Redman, his first question. And we, I think we both have had good times with Scott Redman. I just, I ran into him at Benzinga actually, and had a good little conversation with him. But one of his things, the first thing that he said to me when I asked him, you know, would you as an organization, cause they're, uh, one of their legislative proposals was right to grow. And it was the craft expansion you were talking about earlier. And you know me, I see right to grow. And I'm like, guys, you know, do a double entendre here, pull in like a home grow provision and you can get the community support to be like, Hey, I support this law because it gives me the right to grow. And it also gives craft cultivators the right to expand. And I thought this was like a digestible way to get some community support. 
And his response to me on uh, the podcast we did was like, how do you think that would affect the market? And I said, it, w- it wouldn't affect the market. It would supplement the market. You know, that's my opinion. I know that wow. people have different. Well, I guess, I guess anyone who represents industry, you know, he's, mm-hmm. uh, I think speaking on behalf of uh, smaller licensed operators yep. that, um, that are defending their position against uh, other individuals that want to just grow the plant because they want to grow the plant. And um, I guess he's got an association to manage. Uh, I wonder what he really thinks, though. So. <laughs> yeah yeah i do too i do too sometimes he tells uh, me but but he said off know. the record so i keep it off the record right um but well, anyways <laughs> anyways uh this is my last point and it's actually unrelated to what we've been talking about but this mm-hmm. rounds out our entire conversation on on jb pritzker again once again i just want to say i get the purpose of this system uh but i just my main contention is what seems to be the primary enforcement mechanism and to just prove the point of what I think the system is supposed to be. This is a quote from an operator. And I think it's interesting to hear like the difference from a consumer's perspective and a business owner's perspective with regard to this topic, limited licenses, right? So this is actually from my show in the past. It's a very short clip. And then we can talk about Benzinga. Of course, if you have comments, you can add to this as well. Yeah, yeah. From the consumer's perspective, a limited license market generally is not a good thing. So I don't yeah. say that. So like for the consumer, it's like it's better to have tons of competition, I think, in general. Um, although maybe there's an argument for it still. But, you know, tons of competition or at least tons of licenses. And then the best folks sort of like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they win. Other folks get shaken out. Um from a wealth building perspective, it's better to have a limited license market because then the license is intrinsically valuable. Whereas if it's like anybody can get it, there's no like intrinsic value to um, the license, uh, no economic value, no intrinsic economic value to the license. Um, But when there's only like 10 or 20, you can ensure that at least whoever gets them can at least make some money. And there's a certain amount of competitive advantage you have where, you know, like we're in the market we're in now, you can only go to so many places. And so it's not great for the consumer because then the prices are kind of high and everything else. But for the business, it's like, you know, we can almost not go out of business because you can only go so many places that you got to come here. Yeah. Uh, so from thoughts on that, because like I say, I think yeah, the contrast of why from a business owner, it's a good thing, you know? Um, yeah, thunder don't get you, then the lightning will. I mean, uh, Illinois, hard to get a license. Once you do, you're probably going to figure out, you know, a, a business model to to monetize that license. Maybe not to the value that we thought, you know, millions of dollars in paper, but like you can run a pretty good business. Um, uh, but, you know, that's not the only route, right? You know, um, um, in, in Michigan, you know, it, it's relatively easy to get a license, but, you know, it's whether it jury's out whether or not you could um, make money or it's so volatile right. that you might be rolling in it and then something, you know, and, and oversupply this and that. So uh, in general, I, I like to look at, you know, um, 40 states at a time and how they're doing it. I mean, we're in Illinois, we're in Chicago, like it's a template for maybe 10, 15 newer states anyway, you know, but I, I love how, you know, uh, as a consumer, I love Michigan. I mean, going for those 27 miles in Indiana, uh, you got to drive. I mean, it's, it's pretty much, it's a great way to get a variety of legal, butt. awesome. 
Yeah. Uh, I wish that existed here. Maybe it will someday, maybe it won't, you know. Um, uh, but from a, an economic development standpoint, I think our model is more conducive uh, to creating companies, you know, creating uh, centers of innovation, um, creating connections with other industries. Uh, so, but that doesn't include any of us from going to Michigan, Colorado, California, Pacific Northwest and getting high to bejesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well said, dude. Well said. Thanks. And thank you. And like you've said in the past, it's, am I correct to say that we're trying to learn from our lessons, like the missed opportunities we had with Silicon Valley, like, you know, Mark Van Driesen going to California. I mean, now we're we're talking a little. You're talking some Burnham, yeah. You know? That's Burnham. And hey, so why don't you plug that before we transition to Benzie? Yeah. Well, uh, the Burnham plan uh, is a mission to really fortify uh, Chicago's existing leadership position in commercial cannabis. Um, so uh, it's modeled after the Daniel Burnham plan, you know, for the city of Chicago, hundred plus years ago. Post fire, building quickly. How do we align the Big companies, private sector, public sector, universities, you know, to even though, you know, on the margins, they had disagreements. They all had the shared interest of building a great city. Uh, Daniel Burnham, our Burnham plan is designed to do it's a similar model, but for uh, commercial cannabis in uh, Chicago and really beyond. You know, I mean, we had five. Uh, so, we, so we got like 150 people together Um August 10th and um uh they were you know nine people from the state you know Aaron Johnson and her staff Vaughn Bailey his staff ag um you know World Business Chicago CEO Cresco CEO Chicago Normal Discovery Partners Institute University of Illinois just because there's a lot of big issues around um the development of the program and uh, what was interesting though is like four out of the five recommendations could have applied to really any any market. You know, everyone needs money. Um, the industry itself is a level of maturity that I think we need to speak in uh, one voice. And uh, what what you're showing now, thank you, is an executive summary we published for free and grown in. Um, it's part of it. this is all community venture. You know, we're you know we've there, there's some sponsors uh, from all sides of the business, social equity, corporate, um, service provider, etc. That helped you know buy some bagels and such but it's really a um a grown in is is trying to engage the community to figure out uh best way for all of us to, to thrive so um just published a recommendations um this week you know branzinga a lot of town a lot of chatter um obviously interested in speaking more directly with the governor about it because um, to your point earlier, um, you know, the governor is a venture capitalist in the technology industry, definitely remembers the name Mark Andreessen, uh, who invented, you know, the co-founder of Netscape 30 years ago, one of the first big internet companies. And um, uh, bear with me. You're all good? Yes, the phone's ringing. I don't, can you see it? If you no, can. you're all good. You're all good. Uh, you're talking you know, about Mark and, Andreessen. Yeah, Mark Andreessen um, could have been, um, if, if he had started Netscape in Champaign or, or Chicago, um, 
Chicago, while a, a very vibrant tech community could have been more like Silicon Valley. A lot of people believe that. I mean, I heard it. I was a reporter for many, many years. Heard that a lot. So now it's like, okay. I mean, I know uh, there's a stigma about corporate cannabis and, you know, for in many reasons justifiable, but if there's still people in our industry doing jobs in weed. And so the more of those that we have definitely in the bigger variety of positions, which big companies accommodate, like there's, there's a positive role for like GTI, Cresco, Pharmacan, Verano, a lot of, um, uh, cure leaf, you know, um, being based here because you get a lot of people that work and do a lot of different things and they start other companies, they start digital companies and then whatever, like, so it's a creation of an ecosystem. So we definitely have that here. Um, but you know, most companies, most big cannabis companies are broke and they're all laying people off and, and everything else. And so, um, you know, if, Supports can be provided first and foremost through the social equity program. That was our first recommendation, public-private fund uh, to allow private investment capital to uh, combine with, you know, existing state funding, other state funding. There's a couple of um, precedents that, that again, 17 different conversations uh, that happened for 90 minutes at a pop on, on the 10th. We're just curating um, what the community said. Money, 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 uh, but money starting at the ground up because, you know, social equity company will um, uh, develop retail, develop capacity of which we'll be doing more business with a Cresco, with a Ascend, with a whomever. So it's in the best interest of everybody that uh, you know, more more capital is in the system, um, you know, more jobs, more weed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the other stuff, I don't want to bore you with everything, but it was a good crew. You know, uh, we're going to have a, a follow-up event at 1871, uh, I believe in November, week of the 13th. Uh, we'll, we'll let you and your listeners, everyone, uh, know about that. We, you know, we'll continue to do a lot of public events. Year two, 1871, uh, it's coming. We're a lot of venture capitalists that are interested in serving as mentors. There's going to be a lot of, like, not just, you know, we'll always have programming for uh, Illinois licensed operators. We do a lot of work with IDFPR, say, like, you know, a wholesale event on the 5th of uh, October in right. Pilsen. Um, you know, so it's like all of these things coming up with, 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 with grown in. What we try to do, though, is what we, what we produce, whether it's an event, uh, a news story, uh, uh, we're more and more and more content coming. Um uh, it, it's informed by what, you know, a community of, of stakeholders, um, you know, the Burnham planners said was important. And, you know, I don't know if we got everything, but uh, it's a good start. Yeah, absolutely. I was just displaying on screen, folks, as Brad said, Thursday, October 5th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., Lacuna Lofts 2150 S. Canalport Avenue, Chicago, Illinois. It's the Cannabis Business Conference hosted by Grown In. And folks, I just wanted to mention too uh, as well that if you go to grownin.com in the upper right-hand corner as I'm about to display right now, you just click on the button that says get our free newsletter and you can be alerted of all this stuff right away. 
off the wire, right? Is that the way they used to say in the news, Brad? Hot off the presses. There you go. <laughs> so. Although the wire was more the Baltimore sun. Is that the beep, 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 You know, they're like, oh, shit. Bad, bad, bad. So, yeah, you know, and then conferences. I don't know. I mean, you you went to MAPS. You go to, we go to different conferences. I go to, like, where there's money, and you go to where there's drugs, and you're smarter <laughs> than I am. Yeah, dude. Hell yeah. There were drugs. Although there's a lot of, there's more money at MAPS, and there's more drugs at Benzinga. But keep going. Oh, I was going to say, I, I was about to say, there were plenty of drugs at Benzinga. So, um, yes. yeah, yeah. But uh, so, yeah, Benzinga was really cool for me. Um, it was so the first time I ever went to an 1871 event hosted by Grown In, it was the Cannabis Innovation Lab. It was a great freaking time. And um, I just was blown away not only by the experience i always like you you obviously know i'm fascinated by this topic but it was really cool to meet people not only that i knew but folks that i didn't know like they were like hey you do the chillinois podcast it was like yeah like it was a really weird experience you know what i mean and I never like had to meet that. you what's that there's like to meet you yeah yeah it was cool it was cool so so it was a similar experience here where i got to meet a lot of people like I met Charlie Bactel after his speech um, and was able to shake his hand. I formally invited him onto the show. He said he was aware because I reminded him, I said, the first episode we ever did was a partnership with Cresco. I don't know. You know, did you know that the first episode of the Chillin' yeah. podcast was a giveaway we did with Cresco? It was the uh, stay at home giveaway because COVID had just started. So we I mean, arranged you know, a always, always forward thinking you two. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I reminded him of that. And he said he said that he remembered it. Um, and I asked him if he'd be willing to come on uh, the show in the future. And he said, yeah, anytime. Just got to work with his scheduler to make it happen. So so uh, we'll he's see. great. I mean, he's you know, he, he could he's, he's a CEO of a publicly traded company. You know, mm -hmm. he's got a fiduciary responsibility for shareholders, but he talks more uh, directly about industry challenges than most yeah he mentioned michigan i think for example yeah. he said you know you can drive two hours that one of his in one of his sorry in his panel with uh trying to think of who was moderating right now i just posted it so um okay I'll... john Pletz and um green market deb. reports deb yeah her. deb um deborah borcourt i believe is her, her last name so it was a good chat. And yeah, like you say, he was pretty direct about mentioning not only uh, he didn't say Michigan, but he gave me a strong impression that he was talking about Michigan, you know, driving. I think he said something to the effect of two or three hours for, you know, 50 percent discounts uh, on product. Uh, he also mentioned, you know, the challenge that hemp derived cannabinoids present to market share, you know, Um I thought that chat was really insightful. Yeah, no, well, that's a whole episode unto itself. Um, but yeah, that's that's a that's a tough one uh, for the industry, and you yeah. know, I think we're going to get a little bit of understanding from like farm bill language coming up in a few weeks. Um, yeah, there was an FDA panel as well on hemp derived cannabinoids, which I found a lot of value in. Um, yeah, yeah, so good conferences. Uh, I thought the content was good. 
Absolutely. Uh, things coming up, Unpacked. It's coming up in, in Detroit in a couple of weeks. Those are the MJ Unpacked. Those are pretty good. It's an offshoot MJ biz. It's not directly uh, involved in uh, growing in events. Uh, are you going to Vegas? Uh, I was thinking about it. Isn't that the MJ Biz Daily one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, that would be really cool to do. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll see you there. Are you going? So yeah, I don't have tickets yet, but I think I think it's it's it's, it's it literally is our job. Cool. Well, if uh, I'll definitely run into you there, but yeah, like I said, there were a lot of good chats. We can, we can get a bus and we can do an entourage and you know, I'll, you know, drive there. Yeah, that would be cool. I uh I almost got an interview with Boris Jordan. I did get an interview with John Levine, the CEO of Merimed. Um awesome. and he actually agreed with me on my point about criminal enforcement being the primary mechanism. He suggested that maybe it would be like a business citation, like if you were uh operating right. without a liquor license. Right, right. You know, not a and I was like, yeah, that that it's Makes a sense. good framework. It's a good way of thinking about it for sure. Mm -hmm. No, no. And access and your show is great. And um, you said you had some stories. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was about to, about to get to that. I was just kind of going down the list of different insightful chats I had gone to. Um, did just curious before we get to stories, did you have any other insightful chats that you attended? I mean, I like the JB one, obviously. Um, yeah. uh, Charlie one I saw about thirty. Did you see Boris years. Jordan's? I does not. I lost my I lost my badge, and oh. you know I don't have the attention span to do much. I did not see that one. <laughs> I did see the 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 one with the talking about the tips. Um, uh, Gabe <laughs> Mendoza was great from Forefront. Yeah. Um, but when I go to those conferences, I'm uh, I'm networker. Mm -hmm. uh, so what I observed is that there's money coming back to the sector um uh i'd say I, I went to this particular conference about a year ago it was september of of, of 22 at that point it was like dark clouds and like you know the the, the industry was like okay it's um uh, safe nothing's really coming soon maybe we get it in uh uh december lame duck but you know that it was like you knew things were going to get a whole lot worse before they got better. Here is, you know, more like I view it as, um, you know, a month ago, you know, the Biden administration, you know, health and human services recommendation to DEA. That was like you know, a patient, you know, having a heart attack. You, like it's like smelling salts. Get them out. And so now we're up. You know, walking around and in the safe banking stuff is a little bit like a sugar high, you know, uh, or a cup of coffee or whatever. Whether or not we do anything with it, I don't know, but it was a lot better. And, and there were, you know, you hear, you know, three, four years ago, if a, like a digital company getting like a Series A round of financing, like legit ones, they were probably valued at like 40, 50, you know, in case of some local ones here, you know, over $100 million dollars. Um, whereas a year ago, no one could get anything. And even the ones that were valued for a lot of money are worth maybe a fifth or a 10th this year, you know, a company that's raised maybe a million or two, um, could do another round if they're executing, you know, 
and, and it'd be valued at like, you know, 15, 20, 25 million bucks, which um, seems more, um, first of all, if that's, that, that's a good sign. It means that we've hit bottom, um, at least in some sectors right now. And, you know, maybe there'll, there'll be a boom invariably when this decriminalizes, when safe and everything. Uh, but until then, maybe it'll be a little less volatile because, you know, prices are already, and I got to do this once or twice, baked in. That's nice. Yeah, That's thank good. you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, be uh, CNBC. I have to, <laughs> I have to agree though, that I did notice more fa uh, hope in the air. Let's call it that. Mm -hmm. Like for example, in the key, it, it was pretty pungent out there inside too. It was a little warm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> at least it smelled like weed outside. Keep going. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. There was that I was happy that a lot of people were sparking up outside. In fact, I yes. even got a good interview in with uh, a CPD officer that I just released asking him how he deals with that. And uh, he said, you know, generally speaking, he just asks people politely to put it out. And I like to hear that, you know, um, he yeah. said he treats it equally like uh, alcohol or even cigarettes, for example. He just would ask you to politely stop consuming in public. And he said he wouldn't treat it criminally. And I'm like, that's good to hear. Um, no, more and more of that. That's excellent. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, it was really cool that people were smoking outside and um anyways, the the hope in the air. I remember in the keynote, it it was before safe banking had passed the Senate, and like everybody's like, Is it about to happen? Is it about to happen? And all of a sudden everybody's on their phones and you can kind of hear the chatter and it had passed the Senate. Ah. You know. Yeah, I know, it's good stuff. It was interesting just how like you know, I remember when Twitter, for example, became a thing or just social media in general. And so to see like moments like that still happening, like that was off the wire, like we were saying earlier, and you could hear the room, ah. mm -hmm. you know, fill up. So it was palpable. Yeah. Well, well said. Well said. So, oh, yeah, yeah, in many respects, I didn't attend last year's, so I didn't witness witness what you saw. Yeah. But I, I definitely felt what you observed, I feel, this year. And the parties were like people tend to be more optimistic. Uh, they were definitely less, um, less money spent, which is good too. Cause like if you don't have that much money, you shouldn't just throw it a while away on cocktails, to have conversations with people who forget what you do. Uh, although there's some fun to that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, just living here, Chicago, like I was able to, sp I spent 15 hour days, both days, you know, meetings, conference sessions, nice. Uh, multiple networking events, multiple. We have a lot of the companies now that, you know, the professional service providers and the cannabis or customers have uh, grown in to some degree. So when they invite you, you go and you have a good time and Absolutely. you hang out and get to know their other customers. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's again, you know, like uh, conferences like this also bring out a lot of people. You made the trip. Other people made the trip. You talk to people that you wouldn't, you know, there's some, very few people do the same thing in this industry. So the more you know about what other people do and why, the more it'll inspire and inform you throughout your own career and journey in this, you know, life and sector. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, 
I guess just quickly other stories. I thought it was funny. I met the CROO, uh, Aaron Johnson, and before yeah. I got the opportunity. So it was funny. I I like saw her, but I really needed to use the restroom and I didn't want to TMI folks, but I didn't want to rush the interaction, right? I no. wanted to be comfortable during the interaction. And I also she was talking to somebody else. So I was like, I don't want to be that guy that interrupts, you know, a conversation. So I went to the restroom, got done washing my hands, got myself a water. And then um, I like turn around from the water cooler and she's right there. And like, she couldn't That's avoid awesome. me. I couldn't avoid her. <laughs> we had, and, sh- and I was going to introduce myself and she said, hi, Cole. And I was like, hi, Aaron. It's there been is. nice to meet you. So uh, working on maybe having a conversation with her on the podcast. So it was but cool. She's great. She's accessible. She's done yeah, a couple very of things. Kind. Like, yeah, no, she was her green light you know, um, is, is what made the, the, the Burnham plan, um, from a joke to a, a, a vision to a thing. Um, and, uh, spent a fair amount of time with her, uh, as well, uh, this, this, this week. And, uh, she needs more capacity. She under she sees what we see, Yep. you know, um, uh, but there are, you know, less mechanisms for her. So, Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if she engages and that she engages, we should give her as much support as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, she was super kind to me and, you know, mm-hmm. hoping to uh, collaborate in the future uh, like we have with the CRO in the past. I also ran into Rosie Matteo, which I had, you know, if you would ask me a year ago, I had no idea who she was. Um, but quickly now, as every cannabis company I deal with, I'm dealing with like a Matteo representative, right? To, sure. to schedule and everything and it actually is pretty pretty convenient i will just say that uh, as far as scheduling goes because sometimes it was hard to work with companies now i've got like a person that like knows yeah that works it all out no they run it she runs a tight ship and they're they're one of the few pioneers um in 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 this space from a press coordination standpoint yeah. So for the few times I've had to have companies, you know, that she represents on, it's been very easy. For example, mm-hmm. we, we had Willow Industries on. So I met, I ran into Jill. Uh, do you know Willow Industries? Are you familiar? Not yet. Um, I believe her last name is, I'm not, I'm not sure, but it's a, uh, it, I believe it used to be called Jill Ellsworth is her name. Okay. That rings She's a bell. The, founder and CEO at Willow Industries, which is, uh, I believe, some equipment that a lot of cultivators, or at least a number of cultivators use, not only in Illinois, but statewide. It's like the idea of kill step technology, but also optimizing your cultivation center so that you don't have to use kill step technology, which kill step technology is another form of, or another way of saying remediation from what I understand. Um, But there is some debate, you know, on that topic. Uh, but yeah, so met yeah. met her. Um, I was uh, offered cocaine um, by. It was unclear if it was a if it was a participant or not. Not from Jill Ellsworth. I want to be very clear. From an okay. entirely separate person. Um, it was very a very interesting experience. They they fit the business attire, but I I was actually recording when they approached me, and I looked at the footage, and they didn't have a you know, tag on. So to me, it's unclear if they were a participant, but that was interesting. That was an interesting experience. Well, I, it's funny to see about cocaine. Uh, I was using, I, I went to one of those lemon cakes with the powdered sugar on top. Mm-hmm. And it was in the exhibit room. 
and me, you know, I'm just like walking around everything else and I'm, I don't, I'm always in a rush and I'm eating it and it gets all over me. And I see a friend of mine and she's like, just not that kind of conference. Cause I looked like Al Pacino, in, you know, <laughs> two hours and 35 minutes in the Scarface. That's funny. Yeah. And his last stand when he's got the pile. On no, his. I'm calling, I'm calling all these exhibitors. I'm calling cockroach. No. <laughs> they're calling out to me. Yeah. Um, and they, they're the ones like Keith Richards that lived through nuclear war. Um, so yeah, that was a story. Um, what else happened there? A couple, I mean, it's fun just watching people burn on the street. I grew up in that neighborhood. Like, like this yes. is my old stop. This is my old stopping ground. So I'm like, I grew up on rush street and yeah, we were all, it, you know, rush street was known for when I was a kid in like the eighties, nineties. Yeah. Prostitution, um, gaming, drugs, alcohol, um, and here, you know, while while these you know individuals probably should maybe get a citation, me included, for a lot of just public smoking of joints, you know, when other people are just try to get into their room, um, but it 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 are it. it you know, I think in, in general offered a, a more positive atmosphere than, yeah. you know, what I am used to seeing in the corner of Ohio and Rush over the last almost 50 years now. Mm -hmm. I got to say it was so cool. And I do I will have footage to share of that just to see mm -hmm. like several people along the Marriott's, you know, that what is it? The Magnificent Mile, several people walking out and sparking up, you know, in oh, yeah. formal business wear, totally professional, you know. I, I I was in, you know, I saw sponsors of, of uh, and, you know, I think it's our job to be of the people, you know, we get to talk to a lot of leaders in this nap, but if we, if we lose our roots and, and no longer think that, you know, we're better than those smoking pot uh, in the alley at the mm -hmm. conferences, which we attend, then, you know, we should stop doing what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, I got to say some of the best conversations and connections I made, the best, yeah, like I say, the best conversations I had were out front smoking joints with people. They now. better be. I mean, yeah. yeah. And the weather was good. And and um, uh, there was a dinner last evening, like way out in uh, Hyde Park, which was very nice. Uh, 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 a company called 240L yeah. uh, hosted it. And... Um, I got to spend a lot of time with uh, uh, folks that I think you've had on, you know, Edie Moore and the mm -hmm. you know, whole Chicago Normal Brain Trust and, uh, you know, other uh, events throughout. Uh, smoked. So, so it was Starbucks, caviar, um, after party. And there was... Um, uh, Marcy Alspach, who you probably know from growing in as well. Yeah. And I, um, were greeted with, it was, it was like a plastic bag and nice water and smoked it up and it was delish. Nice. That's cool mm -hmm. as hell. That's cool as hell. Yeah. Yeah. And like you say, there were a lot of parties and I thought that was another cool thing that, that I feel, you know, was lacking during the first few especially the first year of uh, cannabis legalization as a result of the pandemic, you know, we could, we couldn't get together as a community and like have yeah. these experiences. Well, so we're here we now. now. Exactly. We're here now. There's social consumption events. There's other social there's consumption other lounges now, 
which is lounges, cool. yeah. buses. Um, we're we're you know like um, day parts. You know, we experimented back in uh, April. Um, we wanted to in April twentieth during the Cannabis Innovation Lab showcase. Uh, late in the game, we kind of got the green light from eighteen seventy one to have the sesh bus, and we didn't. At least it was suggested to us to look to look into it. Mm-hmm. So we did, and, and um, you know, it being like August or April tenth, you're not going to get. You know, it's booked from certainly four twenty on. You know, that day I think he was. You know, earlier in the afternoon, but it was open um, at seven a.m. Yeah. And uh, that's where we met each other that day. And um, another example on the corner of Wells and Kinsey, uh, we had a, a, a wake and make. Yeah. Because it is normalizing that you could have oatmeal with some beautiful dried cherry infused stuff from our friends at Nature's Grace. Um and you know sativa waters and other things to get people going in the morning a lot you know it's better than a danish you know i think in terms of like health so um all social consumption events in all places at all times the that did not make it in the top five of the uh, burnham plan um but it wasn't because i didn't want it to i just you know it's kind of in number five I think we should do stuff with the city of Chicago, tourism department, choose Chicago, Illinois, like yeah. all of it, all in. Um, but it's certainly my favorite issue. Yeah, no, and I can see why it wouldn't, though. You know, one of the main discussions, I, I did a kind of a series with owners of consumption lounges. And I talked to like Scott Wheeling from OK Cannabis. I talked to the people from down south at Luna Lounge and Sesser, the people at Three Mile Hideaway and Harrisburg. Obviously, as I mentioned earlier, I went to, you know, meet Ambrose and Alex from 1937 group. And um, I think one of the tricks with consumption lounges, and I think the reason it's maybe not, you know, high on the list is it's like, I feel like it's a good accessory to the uh, establishment that that you guys are already talking about. So it's almost like it's just a part of it already. I, I hope, I hope at least, even though it's not identified, I hope that it becomes, since you can, right. And people are seeing some success in it. I hope that it just becomes. Back back to your point on decriminalization. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can, if we can, you know, flipping that framework, then it's not like, you know, I don't remember, recall the last part of time I, I saw someone like at a concert getting written up for weed or this or that it's but you still technically could yeah um you know and all of the bureaucracy associated with like letting you light up at wrigley or you know infuse uh-huh. at wrigley or whatever or you know um little areas we could smoke I mean, like you could you could do it in an organized way um that i think has to happen you know it has to be as ubiquitous as um other things that have you know um that level of you know i think low harm associated with it being put in your body right and even you know arguably the decisions that you make thereafter yeah yeah but like i say i think the big trick about it maybe why it didn't get listed as a as like maybe one of those things is it's like hard to i feel like that model really hasn't been established 
you know, earlier you said we're still figuring out with states like licensing, but one thing that you haven't really seen take off in any state except kind of ours, honestly, is consumption lounges. Like you don't really hear about it a lot. And mm-hmm. other, like there are a few in Colorado that I've, that I'm mm-hmm. aware of. I even met one of the business owners. Uh, he's been on my podcast in the past, but I met him at Benzinga. But if, if you'll know it, it's not like a very, very popular business model. And I think the issue is it's like, how do you make money? And I think the people in Illinois are kind of figuring that out. Like, yeah, Scott, oh, oh. for example, he's got the bar Scott, and restaurant. Scott, yeah, Weiner, you know, yeah, uh, Scott Weiner, Amaya, um, Amaya Pawar, we, uh, Marcy and I visited OK Cannabis three, four weeks ago, shortly after um, the Burn Upon Launch meeting, because Amaya was there. It's a lot of a lot of great stuff on uh, public uh, public banks and and um, his experience. But yeah, I think. Um, like a place like OK in Wheeling, and I know another one's opening in, in Evanston, um, and they have uh, another dispensary like adjacent to one of their facilities in, in Logan Square in Chicago. Like, I think, yeah, they're the ones that are going to be figuring it out, trial and error. Um, you know, a problem or a challenge that they have, one you know, they got to wait for a municipality like Wheeling to say it's okay. And they can't do it in Chicago because Chicago doesn't have its, you know, what together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a city, a city that aspires to be the cannabis capital of the world. Why can't you open up a little cafe by that vice chair of the Illinois restaurant association and a former alderman that ran for governor? Why can't they do it? Right. You know, someone has explaining to do in the Johnson administration. And that was another undercurrent of the plan, which also included a partnership with our friends at World Business Chicago. Um, so, so call it out. Like, yeah, consumption, I think until Chicago has clarity, um, yeah. it's going to be hard for um, businesses to, to do things. I know that there was a, um, uh, right before COVID, uh, I think in the like fall, winter of 19, I was just beginning to cover this stuff, but it's been sent to me um, uh, a petition for the city of Chicago, um, you know, as we were going adult use recreation, it was like individual businesses can create their own consumption areas in Chicago for somewhere between like 500 bucks a year and 10 grand a year, depending on the size, traffic, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That obviously COVID blew that up. Um, you know, cannabis is a priority, you know, within the Johnson administration, not much, even though it rose to become the Silicon Valley of cannabis on her watch. Uh, the Johnson administration, I think, you know, uh, generally, I, I believe is organized to help those um, business owners and communities that are, are overlooked. So it seems like a natural fit. But no one's doing anything about it. So, I mean, that's that sounds like a future episode to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But like I say, I think the the big, uh, I think it sounds like the secret sauce that people are finding with consumption lounges is you pair it with your dispensary, a restaurant and a, and a bar, and, you know, maybe even an entertainment venue, like you said earlier, to remove some of that red tape for performers. And that's like, I feel like a pretty winning formula because a standalone consumption lounge, you can like charge 
membership fees or cover fees and yeah, you can you play sell board things. games and ping pong or are you gonna like right so but it's like how, fun, you, how do you make sold. money right well how do you how do you, how do you make it there? not just that how do you like whatever like we we you're a, a, a an independent bookstore owner and you have a patio right why not you let you know like not everyone's walking around with weed but what if you could just you know or, or you know, what if you, what if you make it so there are certain places where it's designated, it's fine, and and I think we are getting there. I mean, back to the original point, like, yeah, uh, I caught a lot of daggers. A lot of people unsubscribed to Grown In because I I'd said something, and Grown In said something that was complimentary of the governor. And you know, mm-hmm. even though I'm very friendly with him, you know, I mean, we foiled him, so it's not. Um, but I think he deserves recognition. Because I think the things that we're talking about um, could only happen um, because of this program. And as critical as, you know, uh, we've been, look at New York, look at other places. Like, no one's figuring this stuff out just yet. Um, So trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, I think, um, is our industry. And I think the more um, we cover that and the more uh, new people uh, come into this industry with a fresh point of view, I think the more quote unquote normal it will be, you know, yeah. and, and to your point on the decriminalization, but I don't, I don't think about that enough, talk about that enough. So I appreciate you continuing to emphasize that because I get, I get caught up in wearing my like, you know, business development hat, but, but you're right. It's not just about that. I get it. No, but you, you also just made a powerful point. Brad, I don't know that I would have started this podcast if it weren't for this initiative itself. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had a medical card before it was before the CRTA became law, but I still didn't feel comfortable enough to do a podcast. But when it was yeah. like adult use, I was like, okay. Well, now you're my... ripping mushrooms out in my living room. Yeah, now I'm ripping look, look how much you've grown. <laughs> I knew you when you were like this. <laughs> You and the Illinois joint guys and the whatever, you know, yeah. I publish like once a week. If we're lucky, you guys are all over the place everywhere. And it's great to see more media, more reviewers, more other people picking it up. As I mentioned, grown in is, you know, we, we, we spent a lot of time learning about what people uh, need. And now we get a lot of um, opportunity for the rest of the year and next year to bring in a new mix, which includes hopefully, more conversations uh, with you on multiple channels and platforms. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I guess just to wrap it up, you know, to to really put a, a button on the question you asked me, I had a great experience at Benzinga. I had a, a lot of fun and met so many cool people, not only new people that I had never met, but people that I had met online but never met in person. And that's sure. a really cool thing. So yeah. Thumbs up for me, man. It was a good experience. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to being able to attend more conferences like that. Um, yeah, man. Try to, uh, I know you can't make it to Detroit. Those are fun. We'll give you more. So, grown into know more of these things. I mean, it's, it's how we make payroll. Yeah. Um, so, we're having one in October. You know, we'll, I'll give you the date of the one in November. Maybe one more before the end of the year, although not likely. Uh, but beginning in January, we're going to have a pretty regular rotation, uh, not just in Chicago, uh, all over the state. Um, we've um, some emissaries from our friends in Missouri, 
uh, they were talking to uh, as well. Um, um, so I'm psyched to see you more often and um, uh, we'll wrap in person soon as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I haven't really announced it yet, but we're, we're starting a new thing. I don't know if you knew this, but we recently announced ah. the end of the Chillinoy podcast. Ah, yeah. What are we going to do? Yeah. Well, I've been teasing it along the way and I guess, mm. you know, for folks, I feel like the folks that are still listening right now are the fans. So I'll tease yes. it here right now. I told, I told people I'd be announcing it later, but I'll tease it here right now. Mm. There's going to be a new name of the show. And it's the Cole Memo. So it's not the end. It's just a rebrand. And I love uh, the Cole Memo. It's so regal. Yeah. You like it? It's Regal <laughs> Reefer. Like it. Regal like Reefer. It. That's my show. You're the Cole Memo, and I'm Regal Reefer. And we're on uh, Wednesdays at uh, 8.30 Central. I was thinking about making the joke. You should start a podcast called Sparkin' with Spearson. <laughs> no, uh, I want uh, – so my name is uh, Jay Bradley Spearson. Yep. Uh, I want to do Morning Jay. I love it. You should. I will. I'll be your producer. Done. You can be like, Google that shit, Jamie. You ever see the Joe Rogan experience, how he says, like, Google that shit? You can tell me, Google that shit, Cole. Be like, All right, I'm on it, boss. I mean, I think I'd like to have it a more uh, collaborative uh, <laughs> conversation. Um, well, well, to be continued then. Yeah. No, that was that was supposed to be a joke. Uh, I no, think I'm you... in. No, no, I'm thinking of uh, um, Entourage, Jeremy Piven. <laughs> I'm trying to get like this. The or, or what's his name? Uh, um, Bill, the the Fox News guy, Bill O'Reilly. We'll do yeah. it live. Fuck it, we'll do it live. <laughs> we'll do it a lot live though. We're doing it live now. That's right. That's we'll do right. Do it live later. Well. Um, like I say, thumbs up for me for Benzinga, Brad. Any closing thoughts on Benzinga before we wrap up today's nah, well, uh, retrospective show? To my friends at Benzinga that detained me from uh, speaking to the governor live, and it was a tense moment for maybe 90 seconds, all I can do is you give them a thumbs up, I give them a peace sign and say thank you for wondering, producing a wonderful event, and next time I'll uh, uh, distribute my uh, press uh, credential accordingly. Did you get detained? <laughs> Sorry, I gotta ask. I, I mean, I don't because I, I almost thought doing the same thing, running out in the hallway trying to catch him. But well, I was detained in that I wasn't allowed to get any closer. Oh, okay. They, I didn't know if they like took you what? to another room. Like, what were you trying to do? <laughs> no, this is this is in the room where the where um you were right there. Yeah, yeah. You were you were like ten feet away from me. Um, this is when the guy was talking about the tips, and they're trying to detain me. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, on that note. <laughs> yeah, on that note, folks, uh, we had so much fun. I hope you found value in this conversation. I hope you enjoyed the little teaser. We'll see you in the next time. See you next time. <laughs> Bye, folks.